Volume two, chapter two of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two, the ball. The evening of the ball, so much dreaded by the niece and so much longed for by the aunt, arrived at last and by a chance not over common in the affairs of mortals while the hopes of the one lady were more than realized the fears of the other were proved to be altogether groundless many favorable accidents indeed concurred to lessen the difficulties anticipated by agnes in the first place her almost funeral robes for which of the truth be spoken it must be avowed she had not the slightest partiality assumed an appearance under her tasteful fancy which surprised even herself for though when she set about it she had a sort of beau ideal of a black crape robe floating in her imagination her hopes of giving it form and substance by her own ingenuity were not very sanguine mrs barnaby either from the depth of her sorrow or the height of her elegance had commanded when she ordered her widow's mourning that one dress should touch the heart of every beholder by having a basement of sable crape one yard in breadth around it this doleful dress was costly and had been rarely worn at silverton that it might come forth in great splendour at exeter but at exeter as we have seen the widow's feelings so completely overpowered her that she could not wear it at all and thus it came under the fingers of agnes in very respectable condition of these circumambulatory ells of crape the young artificer contrived to fabricate a dress that was anything but unbecoming the enormous crape gigot for those were the days of gigot which made part of her black treasure hung from her delicate fair arms like transparent clouds upon the silvery brightness of the moon so at least would frederick stephenson have described it while the simple corsage drawn a la vierge rather higher than fashion demanded round her beautiful bust gave a delicate and sober dignity to her appearance that even those who would have deemed it a pity to be so covered up themselves could not but allow was exceedingly becoming as soon as her labour was ended she prudently made an experiment of its effect and then in trembling hope of her aunt's approval made her appearance before her her success here perfectly astonished her mercy on me child what an elegant dress where on earth did you get it from from your gown aunt oh to be sure i understand it is not many people that would give away such a dress as that agnes perfectly new and so extremely elegant i hope it won't turn your brain my dear and that you will never forget who gave it to you certainly i never thought you so handsome before and if you will but study my manner a little and smile and show your fine teeth i do really think i may be able to get a husband for you which would certainly be more creditable than going out as a governess so you can work agnes i see and a good thing too considering your poverty it does not look amiss upon the whole i must say though i don't see any reason for your covering yourself up so i am sure your neck is white enough to be seen and it would be odd if it wasn't considering who your mother was for both she and i were noted far and near for that beauty but i can't say i ever hid myself up in that way and what shoes child have you got to wear with it these aunt said agnes putting out her little foot encased in leather with a sole of very respectable thickness well upon my word that's a pity it spoils all and i don't think you could dance in them if you did get a partner what would you say agnes if i bought you a thin pair of prunella pumps on purpose i should be very much obliged to you aunt well then for once i must be extravagant i believe so get on your other gown child as quick as you can and your bonnet and shawl and let us go to the shop round the corner i did not mean to stir out to-day there is wind enough to make one's eyes perfectly bloodshot however the shop's close by only if you do marry well i hope you will never forget what you owe me 
agnes had been too hard at work to take any long walk though invited to do it but her friend mary called upon her both monday and tuesday and having found her way into the closet seemed to think as she pulled over agnes's books and chatted with her concerning their contents that they might often enjoy themselves tete-a-tete there shall you like it agnes she added after sketching such a scheme to her i think mary you could make me like anything but can i really make you like sitting in this cupboard instead of your own elegant drawing-room if you will sit with me here my new friend answered miss peters with an air of great sincerity then must i not be wicked if i ever think myself unhappy again at least as long as we stay at clifton dear girl you should not be so if i could help it but i must go nine o'clock this evening remember and wait for us in the outer room if you do not find us already there these instructions agnes repeated to her aunt but that lady's ardent temper induced her to order a fly to be at her door at half-past eight precisely and when it arrived she was for at least the fourth time putting the last finishing touch to her blonde and her feathers and her ringlets and her rouge and therefore it took her not more than five minutes for a last general survey before she declared herself ready and jerningham received orders to precede her down the stairs with a candle if the former descriptions of the widow's appearance have not been wholly in vain the reader will easily conceive the increased splendour of her charms when elaborately attired for a ball without my entering into any minutiae concerning them suffice it to say that if the corsage of the delicate agnes might have been deemed by some too high that of mrs barnaby might have been thought by others too low and that taken altogether she looked exceedingly like one of the supplementary dames brought forth to do honour to the banquet scene in macbeth arriving half an hour before the time appointed they of course did not find the peters family nor did this latter party make their appearance before the patience of mrs barnaby had given away and she had insisted much to the vexation of agnes upon going on to the ball-room without them there the atmosphere was already in some degree congenial to her the lustres were blazing the orchestra tuning and a few individuals as impatient as herself walking up and down the room and appearing greatly delighted at having something new to stare at this parade was beginning to realize all the worst fears of agnes for the room was filling fast and mrs barnaby would not hear of sitting down when she descried mrs peters her son her three daughters and two other gentlemen enter the room mrs barnaby saw them too and instantly began to stride towards them but timidity now made agnes bold and she held back still courageously retaining her aunt's arm and exclaiming eagerly oh let them come to us aunt nonsense child don't hold me so agnes it will be exceedingly rude if we do not join them immediately according to our engagement the pain of violently seizing upon miss peters was however spared her by the watchful kindness of mary who caught sight of them immediately and together with elizabeth hastened forward to meet them miss peters gave a glance of approbation and pleasure at the appearance of agnes who did not look the less beautiful perhaps from the deep blush that dyed her cheeks as she marked the expression of mrs peters countenance as she approached with her eyes fixed upon her aunt that lady however let her have felt what she might at sight of her remarkable-looking sister-in-law very honourably performed her part of the compact entered into with her daughters smiling very graciously in return for her affectionate relative's raptures at seeing her and showing no symptom of anything she felt on the occasion excepting immediately retiring to the remotest corner of the room where she very nearly hid herself behind a pillar mrs barnaby of course followed her with the young ladies to the seat she had chosen but her active genius was instantly set to work to discover how she might escape from it for the feelings produced by such an eclipse were perfectly intolerable 
i must pretend that i see some person whom i know thought she and so make one of the girls walk across the room with me but at the instant she was about to put this project into execution james peters came up to the party and very civilly addressed her this was something for the young man was handsome and well dressed but better still was what happened next for she immediately felt at once that she was about to become the heroine of an adventure major allen whose appearance altogether including moustaches favoris collier grec embroidered waistcoat and all was very nearly as remarkable as her own entered the room looked round it fixed his eyes upon her spangled turban and very decisively turned off from the throng in order to pay his compliments to the peters party distinguishing her by a bow that spake the profoundest admiration and respect elizabeth was the last of the row her mother with mrs barnaby next her being at the other end of it and close to elizabeth the dashing major placed himself immediately entering into a whispered conversation with her which obliged her to turn herself round from the rest in such a manner that not even lucy who came next in order could overhear much of what passed nevertheless the widow felt as certain as if she could have followed every word of it that this earnest conversation was about her nor was she mistaken for thus it ran good evening miss elizabeth you are just arrived i presume an excellent ball is it not i told you it would be what an exceedingly fine woman your aunt is miss peters it is your aunt i think yes our aunt certainly the widow of my mother's brother major allen ay i understood she was your aunt she is a woman of large fortune i hear yes very large fortune but she is in lodgings is she not she does not seem to have taken the whole house oh no only quite small lodgings but she does not spend a third of her income nor near it really then i suppose handsome as she is that she is a little in the skinflint line eh and here the major showed his horse-like teeth by a laugh not that at all i assure you replied the young lady amiably anxious to exonerate her aunt from so vile an aspersion indeed i should say quite the contrary for she has very generous and noble ideas about money and the use a widow ought to make of a fortune left by her husband in case she does not happen to marry again i am sure i hope people won't be so ill-natured as to say she is stingy because she does not choose to spend all her income it will be abominable if they do because her motives are so very noble i am sure she has a most charming advocate in you and what then may i ask for what is noble should never be concealed what can be the reason of economy so unnecessary she does not think it unnecessary major allen for she has an orphan niece who is left quite dependent upon her and what she is saving will be for her amiable indeed then her property is only income i presume really that is a pity considering how remarkably well such a disposition would employ the capital oh no that is not so neither my uncle barnaby left everything entirely at her own disposal only she thinks and here the silly and loquacious elizabeth stopped short for the idea suddenly occurred to her that it was not right to talk so much of her aunt's concerns to so slight an acquaintance as major allen and not exactly knowing how to end her sentence she permitted a sudden thought to strike her and exclaimed i wonder when they will begin dancing but the major had heard enough he resumed the conversation however but very discreetly by saying that young lady in mourning is her niece i suppose and a beautiful creature she is but how comes she to be in such deep mourning when that of her aunt is so slight had the simple elizabeth understood the principle of vicarial mourning upon which these abinements had been transferred from the widow to her niece she would doubtless from the talkative frankness of her nature have disclosed it 
but as her confidential conversation with her new relative had left her ignorant of this she answered with rather a confused recollection of mrs barnaby's explanation i believe it is because she wears it out of romantic sorrow for her own papa though he has been dead for years and years will you ask your brother miss peters to introduce me to mrs barnaby certainly major allen if you wish it james added the young lady stretching out her fan to draw his attention from agnes with whom he was talking james step here major allen wishes you to introduce him to mrs barnaby the major rose at the moment and strengthened the request by adding will you do me that honour mr peters the young man bowed slightly and without answering moved to the front of the happy widow followed by the obsequious major and said major allen wishes to be introduced to you mrs barnaby major allen mrs barnaby it was not without an effort that this consummation of her dearest hopes was received with some tolerable appearance of external composure by the lady but she felt that the moment was an important one and called up all her energy to support her under it perhaps she blushed but that for obvious reasons was not perceptible but she cast down her eyes upon her fan and then raised them again to the face of the bending major with a look that really said a great deal the established questions and answers in use on such occasions were going on with great zeal and animation on both sides when a fresh source of gratification presented itself to the widow in the approach of mr frederick stephenson to agnes in a manner as flatteringly decided as that of the major to herself but being quite a stranger to the peters family he was preceded by the master of the ceremonies who whispered his name and family to mrs peters asking her permission to present him to the young lady in mourning who appeared to be of her party this was of course readily accorded when the introduction took place and was followed by a petition from the young man for the honour of dancing with her agnes looked a vast deal more beautiful than he had ever dared to believe possible through her veil as she answered i am engaged then the next asked mr stephenson eagerly agnes bowed her blushing assent and the young man continued to stand before her going through pretty nearly the same process as the major this lasted till the quadrilles began to form when james peters claimed her hand for the dance two of the miss peters soon followed when major allen said as the young ladies are forsaking you madam may you not be induced to make a party at whist i should have no objection whatever major replied mrs barnaby provided there was room at a table where they did not play high of course if i have the honour of making a table for you my dear madam the stakes will be of your own naming will you permit me to go and see what can be done you are excessively kind i shall be greatly obliged the active mars departed instantly with a step if not as light at least as zealous in its speed as that of mercury when bent upon one of his most roguish errands and in wonderfully short space of time he returned with the intelligence that a table was waiting for her he then presented his arm which she took with condescending dignity and led her off ah sure a pair was never seen so justly formed to meet by nature exclaimed mrs peters to lucy as they walked away and greatly relieved she rose and taking her daughter by the arm joined a party of her friends in a more busy part of the room meanwhile the quadrilles proceeded and agnes notwithstanding the heart-beating shyness inevitably attending a first appearance did not lose her look of sweet composure or her graceful ease james peters was an attentive and encouraging partner and she would probably soon have forgotten that this was the first time she had ever danced except at school had she not when the dance was about half over perceived herself to be an object of more attention to one of the standers-by than any girl so very new can be conscious of without embarrassment the eyes which thus annoyed her were those of colonel hubert 
his remarkable height made him conspicuous among the throng which was rendered more dense than usual by a wish every moment increasing to look at the beautiful girl in deep mourning and perhaps her happening to know who he was made her fancy that it was more embarrassing to be looked at by him than by any one else the annoyance however did not last long for he disappeared colonel hubert left the place where he had stood and in the study in which he had certainly found some interest for the purpose of looking for his friend stephenson he found him in the doorway frederick i want you said the colonel come with me my good fellow and i will prove to you that notwithstanding my age and infirmities i still retain my faculties sufficiently to find out what is truly and really lovely as ably as yourself come on suffer yourself to be led and i will show you what i call a beautiful girl stephenson quietly suffered himself to be led captive and half a dozen paces placed him immediately opposite to agnes willoughby look at that girl said colonel hubert in a whisper and tell me what you think of her the angel in black yes frederick this is glorious by heaven why hubert it is my own black angel you do not mean to tell me that the girl we saw with that horribly vulgar woman and this epitome of all elegance are the same but upon my soul i do sir and now what do you say to the advantage of being able to see through a thick veil i cannot believe it stephenson replied colonel hubert again fixing his eyes in an earnest gaze upon agnes then die in your unbelief and much good may it do you why i have been introduced to her man her name is willoughby and i am to dance the next quadrille with her if this be so peccavi said the colonel turning abruptly away i think so replied his friend following and relinquishing even the pleasure of looking at agnes for that of enjoying his triumph over hubert won't this make a good story and don't you think colonel that for a few years longer at least it may be as well to postpone the adoption of your lady aunt's system and when you see two females together look at both to ascertain whether one of them may not be the loveliest creature in the universe before you give up your whole soul to the amiable occupation of quizzing the other you think this is a very good jest frederick but to me i assure you it seems very much the contrary because it is so melancholy for a man of five-and-thirty to lose his eyesight because stephenson it is so melancholy to know that such a being as that fair girl is in the hands of a woman whose appearance speaks her to be so utterly vulgar to say the very least of it take care my venerable philosopher that you do not blunder about the old lady as egregiously as you before did about the young one when i got the master of the ceremonies to perform for me the precious service of an introduction i inquired about the party that she and the furbelow aunt were with and learned that they were among the most respectable resident inhabitants of clifton i am heartily glad of it frederick and yet if their party consisted of the noblest in the land i should still feel this aunt to be a greater spot upon her beauty than any wart or mole that ever disfigured a fair cheek at least it would i think be quite sufficient to keep my heart safe if i thought this uncommon-looking creature still more beautiful than i do which i confess would not be easy i wish your heart joy of its security returned stephenson and now be off and leave me to my happiness for see the set breaks up and i may follow her to her place and again present myself come tell me honestly do you not envy me i never dance you know so much the worse for you mon cher and the gay young man turned off to follow the way that he saw agnes lead this was to the quarter where she had left her aunt and mrs peters but they found neither don't be frightened said her good-natured partner we shall find my mother in a moment 
and when they did find her she received agnes with a smiling welcome which contrasted pretty strongly with the stately and almost forbidding aspect with which she ever regarded mrs barnaby young stephenson saw this reception and saw also the empressement with which the pretty elegant mary peter seemed to cling to her more than ever persuaded that he was right and his friend wrong he suddenly determined on a measure that he thought might ensure a more permanent acquaintance than merely being a partner of a dance and before presenting himself to claim her hand he again addressed the master of the ceremonies with a request that he would present him to mrs peters that obliging functionary made not the least objection indeed he knew that there was not a lady in the room either young or old who would not thank him for an introduction to sir edward stephenson's handsome brother himself a cornet in the blues and the inheritor of his mother's noble estate in worcester which made him considerably a richer man than his elder brother all this was known to everybody for the beautiful miss hubert and her lover sir edward had been for a week or two the lions of clifton and though they had mixed very little in its society there was nobody who could be considered as anybody who would not have been pleased at making the acquaintance of frederick stephenson the young man too knew well how to make the most of the ten minutes that preceded the second dance and mrs peters smiled to think as she watched him leading agnes to join the set how justly her keeping faith had been rewarded by this introduction of the most desiree partner in the room meanwhile mrs barnaby was led to the card-room by major allen but he led her slowly and more than once found himself obliged to stop for a minute or two that she might not be incommoded by pressing too quickly through the crowd and thus it was they talked as they gently won their way and what may be the stake that mrs barnaby permits herself said the major bending forward to look into the widow's eyes very low i assure you major replied the lady with a wave of the head that sent her plumes to brush the hirsute magnificence of his face shorts and crown points perhaps rejoined the major agreeably refreshed by the delicate fanning he had received oh fie major how can you suspect me of such extravagance no believe me i know too well how to use the blessings of wealth to abuse them by playing so high as that but i believe gentlemen think that nothing why no my dear madam i cannot say that men that is men of certain fashion and fortune think much of crown points for my own part i detest gambling though i love whist and never care how low i play though occasionally when i get into a certain set i am obliged to give way a little but i never exceed five pound points and twenty on the rubber and that you know unless the cards run extravagantly high cannot amount to anything very alarming especially as i play tolerably well and in fact never play so high if i can help it but major said the lady stopping short in their progress i really am afraid that i must decline playing at your table the amount of what i could lose might not perhaps be a great object to me any more than to you but it is a matter of principle with me and when that is the case i never swerve so take me back again will you to my sister peters and my party this was said with a sort of clinging helplessness and delicate timidity that was very touching good heavens exclaimed the major with great animation how very little you know me i would take you charming mrs barnaby to the world's end if you would consent to go with me but i think not that i would sit down at one table though i might sweep from its stakes amounting to thousands when i could play with you for straws at another remember reader that she to whom this was said had been miss martha compton of silverton but six short years before and then judged with what feelings she listened to it they were such that for a moment no power of speech was left to her but she abandoned her purpose of retreat 
and when at length they stood before the table at which two sporting-looking gentlemen were waiting to receive them she gently seated herself murmuring at the same time in the major's ear not higher than half-crowns if you please he pressed her hand as he resigned the arm with which she had favoured him and as he did so replied depend on me before the arrangements for playing were finally settled the friendly major allen took the two gentlemen a pace or two apart and communicated in a few words what brought them back to the table perfectly contented with the half-crown and gallantly anxious to have the honour of cutting highest that they might have the happiness of winning the lady as a partner if they won nothing else but this happiness fell to the major as well as most others during the three or four rubbers that followed for he and his fair partner played with great luck which helped produce between them that amicable state of spirits which tends to make every word appear a pleasantry and every look a charm in the midst of this very agreeable game in the course of which both the eyes and the voice of the widow proclaimed how very greatly she enjoyed it colonel hubert wandered into the room and having given a glance at one or two other tables as he passed them stationed himself on a sofa from whence he commanded a full view of that at which mrs barnaby was engaged his recent examination of her niece gave him a feeling of interest in this aunt that nearly superseded the amusement he might otherwise have derived from her appearance and manner that both were likely to be affected by the intense interest and pleasure she took in her occupation as well as in the partner who shared it with her may be easily conceived when it is stated that not even the entrance of the magnificent colonel was perceived by her her vivacity her enjouement became more striking every moment her words were full of piquant and agreeable meaning which her eyes scrupled not to second while the major assumed more and more the air and manner of a man enchanted and enamoured beyond the power of concealment but it was not the spirit of quizzing that sat upon colonel hubert's brow as he contemplated this scene on the contrary his fine countenance spoke first disgust and then a degree of melancholy that might have seemed ill-befitting the occasion and in a few minutes he walked away and re-entered the ballroom whether intentionally or not may be doubted but he soon again found himself opposite to the place which agnes occupied in the quadrille and being there watched her with a degree of attention that seemed equally made up of curiosity and admiration it is strange thought he that the most repulsive and the most attractive women i ever remember to have seen should be so closely linked together in a few minutes the quadrille ended when mr stephenson who had danced it with the eldest miss peters said to his friend as he passed him we are now going to tea and if you will come with us i will introduce you colonel hubert followed almost mechanically yet not without a feeling somewhat allied to self-reproach at permitting himself to join the party of a mrs barnaby this obnoxious individual was however nearly or rather wholly forgotten within a very few minutes after the introduction took place mrs peters manners were as we know particularly ladylike and pleasing her daughters all pretty-looking and one of them at least singularly animated and agreeable her son and the other gentlemen of her party perfectly comme il faut and agnes what was agnes in the estimation of the fastidious high-minded and high-born colonel hubert he would have been totally unable to answer this question satisfactorily himself nor would it be just that a precise answer to it should be expected from the historian this interval of conversation and repose lasted rather longer than usual for the whole party each for some reason or other of their own enjoyed it or at any rate betrayed no wish to bring it to a conclusion had colonel hubert indeed been told that he enjoyed it he would strenuously and sincerely have denied the statement he looked at agnes with wonder and compassion strongly blended 
he listened to the gay and artless tone of her conversation with mary peters and young stephenson without being able to deny that whether she had fallen from the stars or been raised and wholly educated by that terrible incarnation of all he most detested her vulgar aunt every word she uttered bore the stamp of well-bred association right feeling and bright intelligence he allowed all this and he allowed too that never through all the varieties of his campaigning life had he seen in any rank or in any clime a loveliness so perfect yet he almost trembled as he watched the passionate devotion with which his friend gazed at and listened to her colonel hubert knew the character of stephenson well it was generous ardent and affectionate in the highest degree but passionate withal self-willed and only amenable to control when it came in the shape of influence exercised by friendship unmixed with authority of any kind he was just three-and-twenty and had been in possession of a noble property from the day he attained the age of twenty-one singularly free from vice of any kind his friends in seeing him take the management of his estates into his own hands had but one fear for him it was not racing gambling debauchery or extravagance they dreaded had he already passed fifty years of sober life exempt from all these they would scarcely have felt more secure of his being safe from them but it was in the important affair of marriage that they dreaded his precipitancy more than once already his distinguished and highly connected family had been terrified by the idea that some irremediable misfortune in this respect was about to fall upon them and earnestly did they wish that he should speedily form such a connection as they could approve and had a right to expect unfortunately this wish had been too evident and the idea of being disposed of in marriage by his brother and sisters had become a bugbear from which the young man shrank with equal indignation and contempt the marriage of his elder brother with miss hubert had naturally led to great intimacy between the families and of all the acquaintance he had ever made colonel hubert was the one for whom frederick stephenson felt the warmest admiration and esteem and certainly he was more proud of the affectionate partiality that distinguished individual had shown him than of any other advantage he possessed sir edward stephenson observed this and he had told his betrothed emma that he drew the best possible augury from it for his brother's safety he is so proud of montague's friendship said he that it must be a most outrageous love fit which would make him hazarded by forming a connection unworthy in any way so jealously does he deprecate the interference of his own family on this subject that i have long determined never more to let him see how near it is to my heart and i will not even mention the subject to your brother lest par impossible he might ever discover that i had done so but i wish you love would say a word to him before we leave clifton tell him that frederick has still a great propensity to fall in love at first sight and that we shall all bless him everlastingly if he will prescribe change of air whenever he may happen to see the fit seize him the fair emma promised and kept her word and such was the theme on which their discourse turned the night before the wedding when sir edward being engaged with the lawyer who had just arrived from london with the settlements the brother and sister took that stroll upon the pavement of sion row which had first exhibited the stately figure of colonel hubert to mrs barnaby's admiration little did agnes think when her head was made to obtrude itself through the window upon that occasion that her ears caught some words of a conversation destined to prove so important to her future happiness that the falling in love at first sight had already taken place colonel hubert could not doubt as he watched his enthusiastic friend's look and manner while conversing with agnes and gravely and sorrowfully did he ponder on the words of his sister in their last tete-a-tete save him dearest montague if you can said she from any folly of this sort for i really think sir edward would never be happy again if frederick formed any disgraceful marriage 
and a disgraceful marriage it would and must be thought he neither her surpassing beauty nor her modest elegance either can make it otherwise as if sent by fate to confirm him in this conviction the widow at this moment approached the party leaning on the arm of the major having finished her fifth rubber and pocketed her sixteen half-crowns major allen's two friends pleaded an engagement elsewhere and mrs barnaby accepted his offered escort to the tea-table a look of happiness is very becoming to many faces it will often indeed lend a charm to features that in sorrow can boast of none but there are others on which this genial and expansive emotion produces a different effect and mrs barnaby was one of them her eyes did not only sparkle they perfectly glared with triumph and delight she shook her curls and her feathers with the vivacity of a bacchante when tossing her cymbals in the air and her joyous laugh and her conscious whisper as each in turn attracted attention from all around were exactly calculated to produce just such an effect as the luckless agnes would have lived in silence and solitude for ever to avoid witnessing the habile major described the party the instant he entered the room and led the lady directly to it but the table was fully occupied and for a moment no one stirred but agnes who pale and positively trembling with distress stood up though without saying a word mrs peters coloured and for a second looked doubtful what to do but when she saw major allen address himself with the manner of an old acquaintance to elizabeth she rose and slightly saying i am so sorry you are too late for tea mrs barnaby moved off followed of course by her daughters and the gentlemen attending on them i dare say we shall find a cup that will do never mind us agnes don't you go but try that pot will you at the bottom of the table this is as dry as hay the major was immediately on the alert and seizing on the teapot seized the hand of agnes with it neck cheeks and brow were crimson in an instant and as she withdrew her hand from his audacious touch her eye caught that of colonel hubert fixed upon her shame vexation and something almost approaching to terror brought tears into that beautiful eye and for a moment the gallant soldier forgot everything in an ardent longing to seize by the collar and fling from the chamber the man who had thus dared to offend her but frederick stephenson who also saw the action quitted the side of his partner contrary to all the laws of etiquette and quickly placing himself beside agnes bestowed such a glance on the major as immediately turned the attention of that judicious personage to the teapot and mrs barnaby you dance with me now miss willoughby said young stephenson which as he had enjoyed that honour twice before he had been too discreet to hint at it till the arrival of the widow and the major had rendered her being immediately occupied so particularly desirable agnes perfectly understood his motive and though her cheeks again tingled as she remembered how impossible it was for her to run effectually from the annoyance that so cruelly beset her she felt touched and grateful for his kindness and the smile with which she accepted it would have sufficed to subdue the heart of frederick had an atom of it been unsubdued before End of chapter two